Welcome, everyone. Welcome, one and all. Welcome from near, from far, from here, from there. Uh, well, Listening like people everywhere. Dr. Seuss book now. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, redfish and bluefish and one fish and two fish. Here, you're, you're listening to another episode of uh, Curious Church Podcast. Whether, now, this might, maybe you didn't intend to listen to this. Maybe autoplay is on on your podcast um, device and you finished your last episode and you're like, I'm done. That was more than enough. And now, look, here we are again. <laughs> it just keeps flying. <laughs> so if that's the case, I, I highly recommend just uh, just turn off your auto autoplay. Does anyone, <laughs> hey, I have a question. Does anyone like autoplay? On anything, whether it's Netflix or a podcast player or um, like your computer when you plug in a, a USB drive. Does anyone like autoplay? Hmm. And now I know that's a pretty big, like vague question. So let me make it more specific. Does anyone in this room like autoplay? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was, my pause was largely because I thought I was answering for 6 billion people. So. <laughs> I was really kind of running through it. Like, what are the odds? Okay, how does this break down? Um, yeah. Yes, you mean autoplay is just when something that you did not add to a queue yeah. proceeds. Yes. Yeah, no, I, I guess I don't like that. Ooh, you know what? How about you, Jana? Um, if it's Netflix and I don't want to move off the couch or reach the remote, absolutely. If it's podcasts, uh, it always jumps to something random, and that annoys me. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. You're you're a binging. You're you have binged Netflix before. You're one. Yeah. Of, past tense. But yeah. now oh, I can't do tense. more. Two or three, and I'm out. <laughs> I'm getting Your old. Days are behind <laughs> you. Yeah. <laughs> I have. Uh, I'll finish. Like if. Um, my wife and I finish an episode of like a poignant TV show or something and then the credits roll and there's usually some thoughtful music going on yeah, yeah. and then it's like they minimize the credits and start an ad for the next thing like you know 10 seconds into it I'm like no I wanted to sit here and digest that thing not be like what's next what's next what's next all the time like that's no way to live is it? Yeah that doesn't really bother me that much This is <laughs> It's downright anti-Beekner. Beekner would <laughs> well, say, yes, stop that's... and slow down and listen and look and notice. But here we are, feeding, being fed the next thing, crammed down our throats. This, this is apparently why I need to read Beekner, because <laughs> I'm like, all right, give me the next episode. Now I feel guilty about not watching credits yeah, and things. <laughs> Beekner is looking down on you disapprovingly. I feel like now credits on some shows, this is maybe Disney Plus does this, the credits will be like eight minutes long because oh. you have all the like regular credits and then they have like the whole subtitling team right. for the Dutch <laughs> subtitles and the Japanese subtitle team. And I'm like, I mean, I respect it. I appreciate that these yep, people are getting credit. Work. But sure. wow, it's really deceiving. I thought this was going to be 43 <laughs> minutes and it was only 35. So I'm okay with autoplay in some cases um, yeah. with apologies to the Dutch subtitling team. <laughs> <laughs> We, uh, um, yeah, I think they would accept your apology. Hopefully. This po this podcast is big in the Netherlands. <laughs> in that subculture. <laughs> subculture. Yeah, Dutch subculture. All right. Okay. Well, I didn't, I didn't mean to throw in an impromptu beef in here. It's been a while since we've beefed all over our own podcast. But... Yeah, we had, we had kind of excised, excised segments, but sometimes, mm -hmm. you know what, seg you just can't keep a good segment down. <laughs> 
man, it just wants to come back up. This beef was so, rising to the top. Here we are. I had to let it out. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> Thanks for sharing. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. So, uh, listeners, hopefully you have been reading along. We hope um, that you've been reading the what I find to be sort of the delightful ramblings of... Uh, <laughs> My friend Frederick Beekner. <laughs> Is that an accurate description? I kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think he would be fine with that description. Oh, I, totally. Think? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, uh, so we're going to look today at chapters. Three through six. Three through six. I keep throwing that. everyone off because we aren't tackling... We tackled chapters one and two and mm-hmm. the one-page introduction yes. last time. And that's considered in the book part one of three. Yeah, So, but we're going a little bit creatively yeah. through the book, right. which I think, you know, you can all, you can all bear with it, yeah. okay? Uh, <laughs> now, really, we wanted to talk a little bit. Last time, we talked about this very much about sort of paying attention, and we're, one of the themes we want to explore is listening for God and what that looks like. So we talked about paying attention, uh, to what God is doing kind of in our ordinary life in the daily. And then today we wanted to talk about uh, what, how we might pay attention to God in our story, how we might listen for God in our story. And these chapters are relevant to that partly because Beekner is talking about story, especially in one of these chapters, but then he starts to tell his own story, uh, which I think yeah. gave us plenty of kind of fodder for reflection. Yeah. So um, as long as we're paying attention, I wonder if we should pay attention to the fact that, that Jana Dykeis is joining us again as our... I mean, I've been paying attention to Janet this yes. whole time, but <laughs> <laughs> listeners hopefully knew. They knew. We did say she'd be along for the ride. Along for the whole ride. Yeah. But Janet, welcome Thank officially. You. We're yep. still cruising I've along. I've just been, you know, sitting here, stopping, listening. Uncomfortably yeah. digesting Aaron's <laughs> beef. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, it's great. Let's, let's give Janet the first word then. Oh, How about that? Yeah, because you know, we I have I have some questions that these chapters have raised for me. But let's first just toss out anything that just generally kind of stood out, or a question that it raised. Uh, yeah, what stood out to you in these three chapters, Jenna? You said that you had quotes marked, so yeah, I'm curious. I can see. Let's start there notes. and see where we go. Oh, I sure did. Um, I just love the idea of stories. I think they permeate our world so much, um, and to see Beekner kind of weaving the threads between our own stories as humans and then also God's story was curious Mm. to me. So that's kind of the big thing of um, how he just keeps returning to that, right? We talk about him wandering and it's kind of the scenic view and he loops back and adds more (laughs) quotes and things like that. So um, yeah, kind of story um, in general was what stuck out most to me. Yeah, that's great. We're definitely as humans drawn to stories and I, I like how he <laughs> was like told this one guy who asked him to speak about the importance of story he was like no way i'm not gonna do that <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 it's too faddish or something yeah yeah, it's, yeah. yeah too much of a fad um and he can he hates fads he was very clear about that um but then he he came to realize i think um that even like even something as profound as the creeds that we say mm. uh, in a church service or the things that we believe as Christians, are, we're not really, we're really saying, here's, these are the things that happened and we believe them. Not like we're going to make this stodgy set of rules. It's like, no, here's a story that we believe and therefore all this other stuff can grow out of that. 
which I liked. I liked that idea. Yeah. Yeah, that we believe a story is interesting. Yeah. Because um, it makes sense sort of to say that. We often believe, like, if Janet told me what she did this weekend. Uh, it, <laughs> it it's might not, be all lies. I don't, <laughs> well, I don't even have to say out loud, I believe you. It's right. assumed. <laughs> right? Someone told you about their weekend and How's you're like, <laughs> you know what? I believe you. <laughs> Oh, you say that. True I be- or false? This is what I did. I've no. Yeah, I believe that story. <laughs> but so we, I guess we do have some experience of just believing stories. We live most of our life just believing stories of each other. But right. often, when we come to sort of when we start talking about kind of Christian faith and what are what's the object of our faith, we often will start talking in terms of ideas or mm-hmm. doctrines. Right. Uh, but right. Um, sort of. And doctrine at its best, uh, I think, distills sort of truths from story and helps us access and understand what's happening in stories. Yeah. But it can become dry and separate. And I think what Beekner is pointing us back to is like there's a heartbeat right behind all this stuff. There's the story. There's the actual events of what happened. And uh, yeah, like mm-hmm. you said, that's that's the content of, of the creed. Right. Oh, I like that heartbeat idea. That was good, man. I think it's really interesting. Like, I think of when little kids tell stories, it's just, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened, and they're just listing facts, right? They're just listing what happened, but there's no, like, purpose or because or cause and effect that's happening. And I love how Beekner draws that out and talks about it's not just a sequence, but it's a plot, right? Yeah. Um, That there's a shape or getting to somewhere. And as humans, I think we're constantly seeking for that purpose, that why behind stuff. Um, And that really, for me, makes faith a lot more accessible Mm. because it's not just a list of all this random nonsense and and this and this and this, but there's cause and effect and there's plot to it, right? We don't think of the Christian faith as having a plot sometimes, but Mm -hmm. it's interesting. (laughs) Oliver right now, my son, is all about the sequence of events. He often at bedtime or at mealtime, Dad, talk about my day. Dad talk about my day, and he either wants to know what's going to happen or just me to tell him everything that's happened in the day. But he doesn't have, just like you were saying, Janet, he's not interested in me weaving a narrative through what happened. Right. I just literally like, say, you woke up, and then we had did. breakfast, yeah. and then you played with Mama, and now is bedtime. And he's like, okay, thank you. He's like, I believe you. <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> no. Well, I... I yeah, you're bringing up this this plot sequence kind of distinction. He draws that on, at least in our copy, page 59, and bar- is borrowing that from E.M. Forster. I was really interested in this idea, and I'd love to tease it out a little bit more because uh, he, he the example he, here he says is um, to d- describe this. E.M. Forster described the distinction between a story and a plot like this. A story is to say the king died and then the queen died. That's just a sequence, a chronological sequence of events. This happened, and that happened, and then that happened. That's what Oliver likes. <laughs> That's right. not, the, not in the text. That's my emendation. He goes on, but a plot is the king died, and then the queen died of grief. In other words, plot suggests a because, a cause and effect, a shape, a getting to some place. When the king died, the queen died because she loved the king. And it feels like a lot of what he is doing in chapters 5 and 6 is beginning to shape out the plot uh, of his life, right, and mm-hmm. telling his story. And we can talk maybe more about that later. But one of the things I was interested in is the fact that he he's telling the plot of his story very much in snapshots mm. in these moments. And this isn't a critique of 
the critique, but it's just what's happening. So he zooms in on these particular moments of significance. Mm -hmm. And part of, one of my questions was, as we think about God intersecting with our stories, listening for God, um, are we looking for just certain moments when God intersects with our story and sort of the plot is essentially these high moments? Or how does that relate, do you think, to what we were talking about last time about paying attention to God in kind of the everyday? Uh, like, because mm. um, in other words, does all the stuff in between the major plot points that we might identify matter to the plot? Or is it just kind of additional? Or like, what do you guys think? What I think about, um, we talked about how last episode, like paying attention every minute of every day is sort of an impossible yeah. ask. So it's almost like we, um, we are, uh, I don't know, are we recharging between these moments? Uh, are we going to miss these, these moments aren't happening constantly, but when they do, are we we noticing them because we've been paying attention and some of them might be lost on us as well. A lots of them I'm sure are lost on us. Hmm. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's a both. And like, I think in nature we can see kind of both. Like, let's say for example, um, there's this giant, um, cavern or canyon that has been formed by this glacier or this mountain that fell apart and ever just tore up the earth all in a moment and it was there or we can think about that one drip of water that constantly goes for thousands of years and creates this giant um pool or something like that and i think our life is a combination right we have those things that just constantly drip and um, mm. shape us. And then we also have those huge events and moments that um, maybe change the course of things for us too. Mm. What about the things that feel disconnected? Hmm. So like, what about the deer that comes and laps at the pool? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> in other words, like, cause um, I mean, I love your analogy, so I'm just going to build on it. Like in one sense, you can think about, like, okay, the water dripping, like, that's the cause, right? To go back to the language he's talking about. You have the cause and you have the effect. And maybe right. the effect is sort of a long way down or it's long term. And you have these small things that are adding up. Um, but one of my questions was when we think about the story of our life, how we think about the things that just feel tragic or disconnected from plot things. I mean, it's one sense to, in one sense, we can tell the story in retrospect off, and often suffering is like this. We look back in retrospect and we may not understand why, but we might be able to see ways that God has redeemed it. In fact, I'm pretty confident we'll never understand why, but we can see maybe ways. But sometimes we don't have enough distance yet, or maybe we'll never have answers to questions. And one of the things I was wrestling with as I was reading and thinking about what it means to pay attention to our story and where God's in our story is, okay, what about those plot points? For a lot of us, those are like, they feel like really major sequences, um, so how do we, how do we understand their meaning or begin to, or do we just sort of throw up our hands and say, we, we can't understand all of our story, or we just won't be able to pay that kind of attention to every part? I mean, I think that, honestly, yeah. um, I think there's a lot of mystery that we cannot ever totally make sense of. And I almost think Beekner would say, he seems to be one of these, um, thinkers who lets things occur to him. <laughs> and he doesn't go like really seeking deeply things, yeah, but he finds totally. he finds the depths as they occur to him. And he even had a story um, where he was talking to a therapist, right? And he's like, "Well, 
he's asking his therapist, tell me what you're trying to get out of me. And he, and the therapist is like, no, it's my job to let you come to that, like have that rise, right? Have come to that conclusion yourself. Otherwise I'm doing all the work for you. So yeah. I, 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 I didn't, in that story, doesn't he like force her? Yeah. He to, forces her and then to tell him. And then he's and like, then, I can't and then remember. He doesn't understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't remember what it was. <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of perfect to what you're saying i think i mean one of his favorite phrases in this book is like it occurs to me or yeah, like yeah, yeah. i think that or i've come to think that you know yeah. phrases like that are just all over the place in this book which i think is just a really i don't know it's a it's i think it's a really humble way to go through thinking about your story and your relationship uh with your faith <laughs> I like speaking to that. Uh, he's got these sections. So this is later when he's talking about his story and when he decides to get baptized. So this is on our page 77. Um, since we all, my brother and I, and two little first cousins decided one day that since we'd never been baptized or christened, we ought to be. You know, you reach a certain stage and you know from short pants, you move from short pants into long pants, you get a driver's license. And I thought it was time we should be baptized. So somehow we did it. He goes on, I'd love to know. If I could look back and really see, why was it I thought that was something to do? I don't know, but it seemed important at the time, so I did it. <laughs> Which, like, to me, I find myself, like, un uncomfortable in maybe a healthy way with that. Because I'm like, isn't part of the exercise of, like, telling your story, like, reflecting? Right. Like, it almost feels like there's parts of the way he is highlighting his story that pushes back on the narrative plot that he's tried to express earlier. He doesn't, he's not even able to articulate the cause and effect. Essentially, he's just saying yeah. there's a sequence. Yeah. It seemed important to that boy, and so he did it. Right. Um, and he's not drawing out kind of causation and reasons, which is really interesting. And I'm like, be consistent. <laughs> be consistent, Frederick. <laughs> I think this wrestling. is why I like him, because he is one of these, like, um, he's one of these he's not an intense seeker. He's a, a he's just, a, he's an observer. And so in that, in that sense, a lot of, he, again, yeah, he lets things occur to him and he feels, he feels situations and then acts accordingly. I don't know. Right. It, when you were talking, it made me think of like those books or those movies that you read um, and then you get to the end and there's some huge twist and it like redefines the entire story of what you mm. thought was happening. Yeah. Um, and you're like, wait, is it really true? <laughs> like you just, everything turns on its head, right? And you have to kind of redefine everything that you thought you knew. Um, and I think he, maybe he's experienced that a few times. And so now he holds things a little bit more loosely or says, yeah, this is what I think is my story at the moment and how I see it. But um, like down the road, who knows? Something right. might come up that changes um, my perception of it. Um, so I think that's an interesting thing of the human mind is how we can switch that. And so um, where do we find a little bit more anchor for our stories, right? Oh, say, say more about that, Jenna, because it strikes me that like he's rather exceptional mm. in the flexibility of his story. Like most of us, like we tell our story and we rehearse it right and then it's like we become quite tied to it like you just this is even like this is who i am and yeah. like it takes it takes a glacier <laughs> to <laughs> to move that right so right. but i'm really curious yeah it's, i'd love to hear you say more about this idea of anchoring because i think a lot of us end up anchored to our own stories yeah right and he's anchored to something different he's sort of able to move and shift and have a flexible understanding of his 
his own story. So yeah. anyway, I'm just trying to set you up to say more because I'm really curious about the anchor framework. Right. I think that's a curious thing if we're finding our identity in our own stories and how we've defined it so far, right? Hmm. If that's our anchor, um, it's kind of interconnected and maybe not rooted to something bigger, right? Hmm. Um, whereas if we're finding our identity in a larger truth, such as um, if you're a person of faith, like that I am a child of God or um, that like that is what defines me, then I think there's a little bit more surety and space for us to be okay with the mystery um, and to be okay with someone else telling our story per se. Yeah, right? yeah. So I don't know. It's it's a tricky space to be in. But I think that that intersection between our stories and our identities is something really curious. Yeah, it is. I'm thinking, you know, this, I've sat in this in this very room where we're recording and a lot of people in your seat, Jana, and I think about conversations, and we've talked about this on the podcast in the past, about baptism hmm. and people becoming members who were baptized as infants, often wanting to be rebaptized, um, because they don't remember what the experience was like and they want it to be, they want to add a significant plot point <laughs> to their story, yeah, yes. right? And in that moment, um, I think people are, it's kind of a sacred space because people, I think, have an openness and a receptivity to hear what we're saying. But I, I can hear the struggle uh, as I suggest, hey, what if we reinterpret your story as God's faithfulness? And you don't need to be baptized to mark this moment, but instead we're going to celebrate. We're going to remember your baptism and celebrate what God's been doing. And you can almost see the tension in them wrestling with, <laughs> can I adopt this, right? Like... Um, it, this would be really meaningful because I have this particular story and, you know, the story is often a beautiful one, right, of I didn't understand and I've grown in understanding and I'm so delighted in my experience of who God is now that I, I wish I'd had for years. <laughs> and right. then you're saying, oh, you know, like, how about how about this different kind of story? And a lot of us, I think, I mean, I would grate against someone saying, what if you understood your story differently, Matt? <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I know right. my story. Right. But, yeah. yeah. But yeah, we need constant pointing back to true, the true deep anchors of our stories. Mm -hmm. hmm. And I think that's something that's a little bit countercultural in our world too, right? We all have our own individual stories, but there's a little bit less of a collective mindset in our cultural context. Um, yeah, a little bit less. <laughs> just a little bit. Maybe that's an understatement. Um, but if you look through uh, maybe to other parts of the world or um, in, throughout history, your story was tied to your family. Your story was tied to your community, um, your people, um, and you were maybe a part of a bigger mm. whole. And so I'm curious, um, like, what that would look like if we started redefining our stories or retelling our narratives um, from a bigger perspective versus an individualized perspective. Easier said than done, but yeah, yeah. What like what what would that look like? Like can, I'm not asking you to give an example of your story, but like sure. even as we think about how we begin to tell our stories, not in light of ourselves. Like yeah, what do, what does that what does that even look like? Does it mean does it mean entrusting someone who loves you with like like if I were to tell my story and then have someone say and then think about what that means to me and then have someone tell me well have you ever thought yeah. that this means this instead and I'm trying to think like what an example would be like what 
So for uh, we'll we'll use Beekner's story because he told yeah. it. So yeah, great. Uh, an influential part of his childhood was his father committing suicide. Yeah. So he, um, I'm I think he's probably if he were alive would still like he he makes a mention of um, uh, shoot something like something about the dead. The dead never leave us. Uh, I got uh, it. Yeah. It's one, 103. You're never through with the dead, and they're never through with you, in my experience. Right. Mm. It's curious. Yeah. Yeah. So what... Obviously, that would be such an... That would be an extremely personal part of your story. So yeah. I, I wonder if it takes... It, if, as he's talked to other people, whether it's his therapists or his spouse or um, his own children, what maybe they would have a different way to that would be a different piece of maybe i don't know maybe they could guide him towards something that's probably what therapy helps to do right is to reframe stories there's something interesting in this example too because i mean he names the ways that it impacted his family right so he is adopting he's recognizing there's a family story around to go what you're talking about but then in sharing it he's also invited there's sort of like this story has so many threads into the community of readers yeah. Right of people who have resonated with it, like he's in the sharing of the story. It the story belongs to more than him now. Yeah, right. And there are, are undoubtedly people who read this who have had very similar experiences. Sure. Who find, um, who who knows what they find? You could imagine they find frustration. You could imagine mm-hmm. they find comfort. You mm-hmm. could imagine they find uh, an inspiration to dig deeper into a part of their story. And so I wonder, like even. Jana, going back to what you're talking about, the ways where individual stories, I wonder if even a different way to think about it, not different, but additional, is um, we often privatize our stories, Mm. right? So our stories are personal, Mm -hmm. they are private, and they belong to us, and we hold them very preciously. And um, there's a healthy part of that where we don't need to disclose everything about who we are to every person we meet. Mm-hmm. Going back to even things that Beekner's talked about, we don't have the capacity to pay attention. We don't yeah. have the capacity to share our deepest stories with everyone, uh, nor do we have the capacity to receive that from everyone. But maybe to be more open with sharing our stories begins to let those stories belong to the community in right. a different way and to begin to testify to the story, to God's story and what he's doing in and through people. I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, I love that. And just to maybe say it in a different way, Beekner talks about these two stories. Oh, right? a better way then. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, <laughs> uh, please. Yeah, no, I think it's... <laughs> now, if you're taking us back to the book, different yeah. way. Um, God's story and the human story as being, this is like, these are the two kind of blueprints um, mm. for everything that we see echoed, right, mm. um, in our stories. And he says, we are all living out different versions of these two stories with an infinite number of variations. So God's story or the story of God and man is simple. God made the world and loved the world. The world got lost and God has spent the rest of human history trying somehow to bring Mm. the world back to himself. Um, In our context, in our denomination, we talk about creation, fall, redemption, restoration. And I love how I can see that even in movies that we watch, right? The superhero movie, the city is great. Bad guy swoops in. Everything's chaotic. Here comes the superhero and all is restored. Or Cinderella is... Uh, living her great life, and then all of a sudden her dad dies, her stepmother comes in, life is um, so terrible, and then she meets the prince and they live happily ever after, right? We hear these echoes of the 
the same story (laughs) Um, so many times and yet we're still drawn to it because um, each of us has experienced it. And he says, it's really as simple as that and as complex as that. Hmm. (laughs) That's simple. Yeah, that's that's the truth, isn't it? Hmm. Yeah. I think too, he says, this is early on in chapter three. Uh, This is in relationship with the person who's asking him to come and speak with story. And essentially what gets him is, the guy says, well, can you share some of your, your story? He says, I think that's the most fascinating story anybody can tell, especially anybody who happens to be religiously inclined. How did you get to be the way you are <laughs> when there are a million reasons for not being that way at all? How did you happen? Um, like, what have we really believed? Like, our stories were that interesting, <laughs> you right. know? Like, how did you, how did you, how did you happen? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a way better question to ask than tell me about yourself. <laughs> what do you do? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and at the end of chapter three, um, he talks, um, yeah, he talks about Maya Angelou when it comes to the business of how do you become a human being? How do you mm-hmm. manage to believe? And this is, this is a similar quote to what you just mentioned, Matt, but how do you have a faith in a world that gives you 14,000 reasons every week to not to believe? How do you survive? Um, at that level, we all have the same story, and therefore anybody's story can illuminate our own. And then I like this last paragraph, and that's the only reason I have, the only justification to tell you my story. Who gives a hoot mm. about my story? But you can give a hoot about it because it's also in many ways your story. Mm. Mm. So we see, I think we see each other reflected in our stories, and maybe that's part of what makes them so appealing. And cynically, it's maybe a little bit. Um, no, I won't say. I won't. I won't say anything. Cynical. <laughs> <laughs> I refuse. You can't make me. <laughs> well, there is. There is. Uh, I don't know if you were going to say this, but there is a way that um, storytelling can easily become narcissistic. No, I was not going to say. Yes, right. I was going to say. Um, <laughs> like you, you think away. You think about the way, like around, like um, a dining room table, like stories can become about one-upsmanship, right? Sure. Like. Oh, that happened to you last week. Well, you should have heard what happened to me today. Yeah. (laughs) And like, you've had a hard time, right? But the healthiest storytelling, right, is more illuminating. Mm -hmm. And I wonder, to go back to the anchor language, if when our stories are not, when our, if all of our stories are just kind of drifting free, then it's really tempting to like want to feel like I need to, for my story to have significance, I I want it to be, I want it to sound even better than the story we just heard. Right. But if my story significance is rooted in what God's doing, well now what, what he's, what he's doing in my life, uh, what he's doing in your life, I don't, I don't need to one up your story. Like that he's up to whatever he's up to. And instead we can share, and we can share, and we can share this instead of trying to like be on top of each other. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Although we do this even with faith, right? Like, um, Oh, you won't believe what God revealed to me today as I was reading scripture. <laughs> like, oh yeah, like the insights, like even in groups of pastors, like I've witnessed this, right. like mm-hmm. if you're reading a passage of scripture, something it's like the, the insights are trying to pile up and be more profound than the previous person. It's like, what is going on here? <laughs> yeah. That's a good insight, Matt, but I think I have one that's even a little bit better <laughs> yeah. than that. Yeah, so most of I our podcast <laughs> is just it's just me me tossing out the base level insight, and then we build. You guys one up me. Yeah, that's good. Um, he talks about um, you mentioned Jana. The only kind of two stories that matter are our yeah. story and God's story. So, and and then I think he said something about and where they intersect. Is mm-hmm. that what he says? Oh, yes, page sixty one. Um, 
this is the human story, and in the process of living out that story, God's story intersects with ours. He appears in our stories. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you think that works? That's an easy question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just going is it, is it to... Yeah. Is it the noticing? Is it the paying attention? What do you think? Well, I mean, if a tree falls in a fort. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's like God's story and his intersection is there whether we see it or not, I, I believe. Mm. And if I'm just going to keep quoting Beekner because I don't have original ideas on this. <laughs> but um, if you keep going, he talks about the subterranean yeah. presence of grace and this idea that God and his grace is just kind of beneath the Foundation. surface all the time. Like I think of maybe a river running underneath um, kind of the surface level of what we see um, and the like. So, yeah, I'm curious what your thoughts are on that as well. It sounds like you need to go for a hike with all these... Um, all these nature references. <laughs> 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 yeah. no, that, that's, that seems right. I mean, in some sense, we're circ- I think we're circling back um, to similar conversations of what you were talking about earlier with the glacier and the drip drip of water, right? Is there's certainly an, an, an there's an element here of can we pay attention right. to what God is doing, and also there's a there's a way to think about that that just results in us kind of beating ourselves up for not paying attention enough, hmm. right? <laughs> like, oh, okay, God is always at work, like His story is always going on, um, and well, to use to use Beekner's language, I think probably we can do better. We can do more than we, we do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, part of the mystery of God is that his story seems to interweave with our own when we're, like, even when we're not paying attention. Right. Um, and uh, there's graces to re- be received from moments where we can pay attention. Holy moments is what he chapters a la- later, ti- what he titles a later chapter, uh, when we can pay attention to those holy moments. But also, uh, the ways that subterranean grace just keeps flowing despite in, in ways that are mysterious to us. Like there's, there's some aspect, I wonder if like there will be some opportunity one day to look back um, and we understand the different ways that God's grace is just running through our lives um, mm-hmm. consistently and kind of ever flowing. Um, and I don't know if that's, it feels too simplistic. I think sometimes we want to, like, we want causation, right? Mm-hmm. Like, to go back to plot conversation. We really want to understand, like, did God make this happen so that this would happen, you know? And it's right. like, right. okay, so paying attention to God's story is making sure I know what he made happen in my life. Um, I, I mean, that just doesn't seem satisfying or quite right. It, it, that's far more like God is like a some kind of, like, genie in the world sort of being like okay if i make this butterfly flap its wings over here then matt will preach this sermon on sunday like he's just got this huge flow chart yeah yeah exactly yeah Yeah. Uh, and maybe maybe god works that way i mean that would be far beyond my understanding in the first place too but also there's a part of that that seems like oh i could kind of grasp that like you know i could kind of grasp like an incredibly complex version of causation where he's just handling it all and Beekner, it seems like he's pointing to this, a deeper mystery right. than that, right. too. Right. 
And some flexibility and agency, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like how he, he says that this presence kind of leaves us free to either not even notice it or to notice it and draw back from it <laughs> because mm. life is complicated enough, right? Just this idea that we can choose whether we want to interact with it or not, if we're aware of it or not. Um, it gives kind of that space, right? This feels to me like it's kind of setting up our next conversation. Does that? It, yeah, it does. Does that resonate with you? Yeah. Um, one part of Beekner's experience uh, that he talks about is actually a, a bunch of his holy moments are, uh, are actually end up being marked by silence and mm -hmm. a lack of encounter. Um, he writes on page 81, um, so in a funny way, I didn't get the answer to a whole bunch of questions he was asking, but I got silence, the sense of mystery, the sense of holiness. Nobody talked to me at all, except at the end, I went to see the father who had the stroke. That's a priest. And he was able to say to me, do you go to church regularly now? Do you confess your sins? I said, no. Would you like to confess them? I said, I guess I would. I said a few little things I could think of. And then he said, well, you know, you have a long way to go. And he was right. And I still do. But I remember that you have a long way to go. And uh, in our next episode, we're going to talk about the final two chapters, chapters seven and eight, and talk more about, as we listen for God, what it means to encounter silence. And also, um, can we find any peace in the midst of that silence? So thanks for this conversation, you guys. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Nicely done. Well, it was it was a team setup. It just felt like it felt like we were playing volleyball. Bump set spike. <laughs> yeah, there's probably people talking about this book not nearly as well as we're talking about it, don't you think? Yeah, but one time I <laughs> That's right. Okay, listeners, thanks for joining us for this um second uh, episode on our old friend Beekner and we can't wait to join have you join us we'll join you there'll be all kinds of joining happening autoplay autoplay <laughs> we'll autoplay yes. and if your podcast player is set to autoplay we'll see you in about five seconds till then I'm Aaron I'm Matt and I'm Jana thanks for being curious with us